Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Lancashire Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the North Lancashire Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson, the e-services librarian, and happy Libraries Week. This week is Libraries Week, and for this episode of the podcast, we have been joined by Alex Knight, the Scottish crime writer, who is also maybe better known as Mason Cross, the writer of the Carter Blake series. And he is here to talk to us about his latest novel, Darkness Falls, which came out in the mid-September. And he'll be telling us all about that and giving us a little bit of insight into his writing process and also telling us a little bit about his own love of libraries as well. So if you're looking forward to hearing, do sit down, get yourself comfy and... We will get started and listen close. So, Alex, thank you for coming and being part of our podcast. It is great to have you. Um, I'll give everybody a little bit of a background on you just in case they haven't heard of you before, but... Um, as we were just talking about before we start recording, it's no big secret that you also write under Mason Cross as well, um, and yep. you you write the, the Carter Blake series under that name, which is currently five books, started with the, the killing season, and I think the last one was Presumed Dead, is that right? Yeah, that's uh, exactly right. Yeah, and you've also kind of sneaked in another little name as well, but MJ Cross as well, just for... To, to I keep forgetting about that one, yeah, that's my, <laughs> my third name, yeah, just to sort of keep people on their toes. And as Alex Knight, you've also now written two books, um, and which is Hunted and Darkness Falls, which came out on the 16th of September. So I think we'll start off and have a chat about um, Darkness Falls as well. Um, I'm midway through reading it just now. It's a fantastic read for anyone who hasn't started yet. It's definitely worth a, worth a read for sure. Um, the, the main character is called Thessaly. Is that, is that how you pronounce it? I, I wasn't really sure how no, you pronounced that's... the name. That's how I pronounce it. I'm not sure if that's definitely right, but yeah. <laughs> so Thessaly's the main character, and she seems quite a feisty character, feisty woman, doesn't she? And, and from as you go through the book, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think you'll probably find this with a lot of writers, but a lot of the time, your protagonist kind of ends up being a bit like you in some ways. And you know, each one you write is a bit different, but they all seem to sort of take on some of your characteristics. And I think in Thessaly's case she's slightly got my kind of tunnel vision sort of inability to let things lie and you know if somebody sort of messes around it will it will tick her off and she will sort of make sure that she gets payback so I think that's kind of a little bit of me sort of bleeding into her there but yeah I find her a kind of fun character to write because she just basically she gets this sort of idea in her head and she will not let it go and um, she just, you know, people try and talk her out of it and yeah. give her very sensible um, reasons why she should not do the things that she's doing. Um, but she's not interested in listening. And also yeah. she's a writer, which is probably part of that too. <laughs> I mean, she def- definitely does get herself into a lot of situations, which kind of probably not the, the greatest thing to get involved in. But but she kind of just kind of, like say, tunnel vision, can't get her, get her out of her head to kind of want to kind of stop and she needs to kind of keep searching for for what she's looking for it's, a, it's quite an unusual name um is it was it inspired by anything or did it, where did it come from um yeah i mean I, I was looking i was actually sort of specifically looking for quite an unusual name because um there's a plot point later on in the book that means it's quite important that she's got an unusual name okay. um, because somebody is looking for her and obviously it's going to be easier to find somebody with a name uh, like Thessaly 
than a name like Jane or Susan. Um, so that was kind of important. And also, I just I quite like having a slightly different sounding name um, because it makes it a bit more interesting for the reader. If you've got to spend three, four hundred pages in the company of somebody, it's, it's nice if they've got a slightly different name, but not one that's hopefully too hard to pronounce. Um, so I don't know how I decided on that one, but I, I think I probably stole it from uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman right. um, because of the character in that, or maybe the sort of second half of the series. Uh, called Thessaly, um, and I always kind of like that that name. I think it, it comes from Greek mythology, um, and I think there's a sort of region of present-day Greece that's called Thessaly as well, but I just kind of uh, like the yeah. sound of it. Yeah, it, it definitely catches the, catches the imagination straight away, and, and, and I think that does kind of help, like you say, with the characters. Whenever there is a kind of uniqueness to their name, it does kind of help them kind of stand out in the book a little bit more than whenever you're reading along, rather than if it's like a whole bunch of kind of standard names that kind of this makes it a little bit more confusing to kind of pick out who's who. Yeah, so, it's actually it's actually a good tip if you're writing a book is just make sure you've got the names looking all different because you occasionally will read a book, often by a sort of first time writer, and you know everybody's name starts with M, and you're like, okay, so is this Mike <laughs> or Marker or Mary or? And it's difficult to just keep it straight in your head. So if you if you make them sound different enough, it helps the reader out, and um, just to sort of not get too confused by who's doing yeah. what. I, I mean, I've definitely read books in the past, like you say, and, and kind of, as you're reading it, you're thinking, who was it? What, Which what one's that? <laughs> yeah, so, so it definitely does help if they're quite unique and very different as you read through it, kind of makes it much easier to kind of keep apart. Um, early on in the book, we discover that she's witnessed her brother's murder, and years later, she has a kind of close encounter with uh, someone who she thinks is the murderer, and that sets her off on a mission to catch him, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, sort of 20 years ago, she witnessed um, her brother's murder. Um, they were sort of, um, they sort of basically doing a bit of urban exploring. They'd broken into a mall that was uh, abandoned and interrupted some sort of deal. They don't know if it was a drug deal or something else. And basically her brother ended up being shot and died and she managed to escape. But the guy who, who killed her brother just disappeared not long after that and just vanished, went off the radar and hasn't been seen in 20 years. And then one night she happens to pull into a 24 hour diner um, at the side of the road and sits down to get a coffee. And she hears this voice from the booth behind her and she recognizes it at once. And it's the it's the guy that killed her brother. Yeah. So that's that's chapter one. And that sort of sparks off in this this mission. Yeah. And without giving too much away, um, not all as quite as it seems with the character, uh, the suspect as it goes on, isn't it? Without kind of, it's kind of difficult, without kind of revealing too much of the plot line halfway through, but, um, but there's definitely something a bit unusual about him. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of difficult to talk about. It's always good when people have read the book and you can talk to them about yeah. it afterwards, um, just about that twist that you're, or not a twist, but a reveal that you're alluding to in the middle of the book. And yeah, she um, basically just has to sort of look into this mystery of, you know, is this the same guy? And if so, where is he gone? Um, why? How did he manage to disappear? And, you know, what is he doing now? And what she finds isn't necessarily what she she would expect. And she um, it, she ends up sort of hitting quite a sort of big obstacle at one point in the book. So mm. um, hopefully it sort of keeps the reader on their toes as they're wondering, you know, you know, what's the story behind this? And is this really the person? Is she just, you know, going crazy and has just projected that this is the, this is the guy? Um, but hopefully it's uh, sort of uh, something that will be a little bit unexpected to the reader. Yeah, because at first she's very certain it is definitely him, and 
having talked to a few people at like, the local police and things, I think she does start to kind of have a few doubts about that in her, in her own mind. And and then, as you say, she's had to kind of look into a lot of stuff to investigate it, to kind of see, is she right and things like that. So, and then there is a big reveal, which makes it very interesting. It's definitely at this point. And, um, and Thessaly is warned by the police um, to to not try and investigate too far into to by herself, but she just doesn't seem able to resist doing that, does she? Yeah, yeah, and I think certainly early on in the book, um, as you said, you know, she starts looking into this, and at first it looks like she is mistaken, and you know, all the evidence that anybody else can see says that you know she's just sort of got the ring wrong into the stick here, um, but she just keeps at it. And I was quite interested in almost sort of turning around the um, the kind of standard dynamic you've got in a lot of these um, these type of books, where you know you've got you know somebody living a nice peaceful life, and and somebody comes into that who stalks them and tries to infiltrate their life, and you know follows them around and, and sort of tries to make the life hell. And I was quite interested in making that person the hero of the book. So Desley's mm. um, almost like the stalker, the person that comes in and. Um, is infiltrating somebody uh, else's yeah. life um, and it's kind of an open question for the start of the book of you know who, who exactly is the good guy here what if what if Thessaly is is the bad guy what if she's the stalker and um, yeah. so it's interesting that sort of obsessive um, pursuit of, of somebody and whether or not it's it's justified yeah because our investigations do sometimes go a little bit beyond the boundaries of the law sometimes um, um, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of when she tries to kind of break into an office and things like that sort of stuff is is kind of she gets herself in potential problems herself, um, and kind of maybe shouldn't be kind of going down that line just on her own. But it's definitely a fantastic read, and I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it for sure. Um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners and readers would will love reading that book too. So hopefully they'll they'll get a chance to get get their hands on it and enjoy it just as much as I am. So uh, it's a fantastic read, but um. Well, can I move on a little bit from, from the book? Um, and as we touched on at the start, you do write under um, a couple of names. Um, and does that give you a little bit of freedom to kind of try different things when you're writing under different names uh, as a writer? Yeah, I think that was that was kind of the idea with um, using Alex Knight for these books, because, as you know, the, the Mason Cross ones, um, they're a series character. They all follow um, Carter Blake who is a sort of missing persons expert who looks for people who don't want to be found. And um, the Alex Knight books, are, they're, they're both standalone so far. Um, and they're a bit more, uh, what I'm trying to go for is more the sort of Harlan Coben, Linwood Barclay kind of um, area where you've got, you know, standalone books featuring a sort of normal person protagonist that's plunged into um, a sort of exciting or dangerous situation. And um, so far, both of the books have have done that. So that's kind of what, I mean, I love reading those books. So I kind of wanted to tap into that that side of things. Um, so it does let you approach them a little bit differently. And hopefully, I mean, the, the different names sort of signpost to the reader, you know, what kind of book this is going to be. So if it's Mason Cross, it's going to be a, probably going to be a Carter Blake book. And if it's Alex Knight, it's going to be one of these these standalone books so yeah. um so that, that that was good and it's different challenges i mean with the the mason cross books um you've kind of got a lot of the infrastructure in place because i know that they'll feature carter blake and he's got to be looking for somebody whereas yeah. the alex knight books they're a completely blank slate and i can i can sort of set them anywhere and have anybody as the as the hero so it's uh, sort of an interesting sort of different challenge writing yeah. these ones 
On we side note from what I originally was going to ask you about, I, I do remember whenever um, you visited one of our lives before, you, you mentioned in one of the talks that that whenever you were sending out your, your things to the publishers and stuff, they, they asked, what part of America do you come from? Because, because <laughs> yeah. they're always set in America. Um, and and you reply with the Scottish part. Um, is, yeah. is there a reason why you decided to kind of go down the, the route of writing in America rather than setting them in America rather than kind of sort of sort of in Scotland? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I just love sort of reading that kind of book. I mean, I, I love reading sort of books from this side of the pond as well, whether it's Ian Rankin or Mark Bellingham yeah. um, or those guys. But I've always loved American thrillers. Um, you know, from the sort of modern people like Lee Child and Michael Connolly back to the classics like Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, James Elroy, John D. MacDonald. And I think when I just started to write a book, that was kind of the type of story that I gravitated towards writing. Yeah. And I think the sort of American thriller, it tends to be a bit more sort of big picture, a bit more wide ranging, whereas British ones tend to be more police procedurals. Yeah. Um, and I felt, you know, for one thing, there was less research if you can just sort of break the rules. And, you know, as we were saying in that book, you know, sort of break into places without a warrant and things like that. And so it makes life a bit easier in that way. But I think I just I sort of gravitated a bit towards that that style of things. And even yeah. the, the MJ Cross book, the standalone that I wrote set in the UK, um, that one even, you know, I, I did have a police um, character in it from British Transport Police. Um, because it's set in the Caledonian Sleeper. Mm. And even there, I kind of sort of started to sort of play by the procedural rulebook. And at some point, I just thought, okay, he's going to take some annual leave and buy a gun from some dodgy guy above a pub. <laughs> um, and <laughs> so even that sort of went slightly American, even though it was set in the UK. Fantastic. So it's kind of almost just because it's kind of felt natural to you to kind of write in that way. It's really the main thing. I think so, yeah. Like. I mean, I'd, I'd still, I'd love to write one set in Glasgow. So I think that's definitely something I'm going to do at some point. Um, but again, it'll probably be a bit more action-y than, than uh, police procedurally. Hollywood, Hollywood comes to Glasgow sort of like... Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, if you look at the those big hills in Glasgow City Centre and Garnet Hill. Why has nobody done a big bullet-style car chase on those? So I think there's a there's a gap in the market there for yeah. more maybe, action. Maybe that's in the future for you. Alex. Yeah, if you can kind of do that for us. Um, now this episode is going live um, on our podcast during Libraries Week, um, and the theme for Libraries Week is taking action and changing lives. So as an author, how has um, uh, libraries changed your life and and got and helped you? Well, I think basically all my life there have been um, a presence there and something that's been important. Uh, I grew up in Canvas Lang and I remember going down to the, the old library there and it was in the old building and they had a, a kind of separate section for the kids' books and just sort of spending time there. And just it had been so great that you could you could take out books without having to spend pocket money on them mm -hmm. um, and go home and read them. And I think I'd, I'd, I worked my way through all of the Doctor Who target books and all of all the ones that they had anyway and all the, the three investigators books. And it just sort of really kind of helped me sort of develop as a reader and yeah. um, just having access to all the books that I wanted, basically. Um, and that's just sort of carried forward into my adult life. And I always talk about, um, I came to visit Airdrie Library a while ago, and I used to work around the corner from, from Airdrie Library. Yeah. And um, when I was there, it was sort of 
a kind of arduous commute from where I was living at the time. So I used <laughs> to spend, you know, a couple of hours in the car every day. But Airdrie Library did audiobooks. So I would go around and just take out a new audiobook every week or so. And I could sort of just sort of get that time back by by listening to books in the car. So yeah, it's it's just um libraries have always been a, a sort of big part of my life. And now it's it's cool to get to to come and visit them. Or actually not at the moment, but um hopefully one day again I'll be able to actually come and visit them in person. Yeah. Yeah, it has probably been the, one of the biggest biggest misses as well over the last little while for us is, is not being able to kind of get authors to come into the libraries and visit because that is always a kind of we added extra that that kind of is a bit special for for readers to be able to come and visit um, and come and see some of the authors that they've been reading in the libraries and it's unfortunately just over the circumstances we've not been able to do that for the last little while. Yeah. Do you have a favourite library that you've that you've seen on your travels um, and won't, we won't be offended if it's not a North Archer Library <laughs> one don't worry <laughs> yeah, well actually a lot of North Archer ones would make the list Motherwell Library is definitely sort of up there um, Airdrie Library I like the old library buildings Yeah. Um, but in terms of, of other ones further afield uh, Townhouse in Lamilton Lamilton and Hamilton's a good one Um. and I've actually been I've been sort of going around the, the Glasgow Library buildings lately I've got a project where I'm sort of running um, between sort of two libraries at a time just to make things a bit more interesting for myself so some of those old buildings are great obviously you get the Mitchell but mm. um, you know Deniston Library and there's one that out in Elder Park and in, in Govan that's, that's sort of really nice as well so it's it's cool seeing all these old buildings that have been there for 100 years that hopefully can be reopened yeah yeah the, 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 old, the old buildings in particular but they've all got quite a good kind of feel of history behind them I yeah think. yeah um, and, the, and especially ones like the Carnegie buildings and things like that, they've always got that kind of little bit of history that, that's quite unique to them and stuff. So it's the lovely Absolutely. buildings. To, to, I've had the, the privilege to work in a, in a couple of them, which has been great. So um, I can understand that. Um, and what do you, um, what, what was it that got you into writing the books to, to begin with, do you think, um, at the start of your kind of writing career? Um, I think I've always just liked writing and sort of back in school, I would always like sort of whenever there was any sort of creative writing or even essays and things, um, I would enjoy doing that. I remember um, we used to have a, a rule, if you forgot your gym kit, you would have to write a 1000 word essay on sportswear. <laughs> and the first time I forgot my gym kit, it turned out that was like quicker and easier than having to go through PE. So I started just forgetting my <laughs> it a lot um but yeah i just kind of always like doing it and um i ended up i sort of wrote short stories to begin with and um started trying to send those off to competitions and magazines and things and got lots of rejections um but that was kind of how i sort of built up as a writer was writing these short stories and and getting them rejected from places and eventually um managed to get an agent based on a particularly long short story that I'd done who suggested um, you might want to sort of write something longer if you actually want to make any money. Um, so that <laughs> sounded good. And um, weirdly, I found it easier to write novels because you've actually got the luxury of space. Mm -hmm. um, and instead of having to do everything in 5,000 words, you've got, you know, 80,000 words. So, um, yeah, so that was that was kind of how I got started. So I've started, started small and now it seems like every time I try and write something short, it turns into a book. So... Yeah, that's it's always good for our readers then because they'll all be desperate to get if they're if they're fans of you to get your hands on new novels, and that kind of comes nicely to what I'm going to ask you next because I know that a lot of our readers love the the Carter Blake books, 
and it has been quite a wee while since there's been a, a release. So, so will we see a return of Carter Blake anytime soon? Do you think? Um, yes, I'm hoping so. I've got a sort of draft of a, a new Blake book, but I've just not had time in between the other projects to go back and and tweak that to the um, necessary standards. So, um, yes, there will be another Blake book, but I don't want to chuck it out before it's it's ready. So, um, there will need to be a bit more work on it first, but. Mm. Um, if people sign up to my mailing list, I will make sure they know about it when that's when that's coming out. So I'll we'll just have to be a little bit more patient then to, to get a hand I'm afraid so. It. Hopefully not too much longer. <laughs> it's been a couple of years, but yeah, hopefully not. And, and, is it, and do you think there'll be more kind of, of the Alex Knight coming further down the line as well? Will that be kind of yeah, I'm working on a couple of things at the moment. So hopefully there will be another Alex Knight book. And um, yeah, we'll just see what happens next. Fantastic. And... Kind of coming to the end of my questions, I thought I would end by asking you if, there, if you've got any interesting events or activities happening for you in the near future. Um, kind of interested in what you were saying about the, the you going between some of the libraries in Glasgow, actually. That kind of sounds interesting. Yeah, well, it's actually, I did the, um, I, I'm sort of notoriously lazy, but I've been trying to do a bit more physical exercise. <laughs> and last year I did the Couch to 5K thing, mm-hmm. the sort of BBC podcast thing, um, which was really good because it builds you up to being able to run five kilometers as the the title suggests and um, my thing with running is though i get really bored if i have to run in a treadmill or just go around the the same block every time so what i started doing last year was just running around the different parks in glasgow and that was just a really good way of exploring the city and sort of seeing different places and it was actually sort of a way of getting exercise without noticing too much because it was more like exploration so i did that i completed all the parks there were actually like over a hundred when you add up everything, um, which was amazing. Um, and this year I, I'd kind of done that. So I thought, what else can I do? So I've just decided to sort of run between all the libraries. So I've Fantastic. only done about a dozen or so because I keep injuring my knee. But <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's my thing. I've got a map with all the libraries in Glasgow picked out and I'm just going to run between them. It's a bit easier to do in Glasgow because they're more clustered together if I was doing it. Yeah. And you're probably just about doing North Lanarkshire, but definitely not South Lanarkshire. <laughs> Yeah, fifty miles a run. But it's a great idea. I love that idea of running between libraries. I can just imagine seeing readers kind of running between, picking up a different book at each one as they stop. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, thank you very much, uh, Alex, for for joining me on on the podcast. It's been great having a chance to chat to you, and it's been great fun. Um, I'm sure our readers will love getting their hands on Darkness Falls when they get a chance to. Um, and they will enjoy it just as much as I do. And I hope this has been a good little preview for them, uh, finding out a little bit about the book as well. So, um, but yeah, so thank you very much for joining me, Alex. Hey, thanks for having me. Right. And hopefully I'll see you in a real library sometime soon. That would be fantastic as well. <laughs> So there was a little chat with Alex Knight. Um, thank you very much, Alex, for doing that. It was fantastic getting a chance to speak to you. And I hope our listeners and readers enjoy the Darkness Falls when they get a chance to get their hands on the book. A um, few little library updates for you guys um, before we finish up. Kilsyth Library has moved, has moved back to its full pre-COVID hours, which is fantastic. So another little bit of an increase to our service which is great that we're getting so many hours back and open for you guys to come and enjoy our library service again. And the big news is that reservations are back as well. So you can now reserve books 
in the library and also online. So do get all those reservations in place for all the new releases that are coming out and get your place in the queue to get your hands on all the biggest latest titles before anyone else does. Another big thing that we have introduced is that we have set up a mobile libraries mobile alert system. So you can sign up to receive a text message on your phone if the mobile library service is not going to be available in your area for whatever reason that day. You can sign up for this either on the mobile libraries themselves or you can also sign up for it online if you go to the mobile library section on our website too. Another introduction to our service is also the Playlist for Life service, which we have got help points in some of our libraries. Playlist for Life is a new initiative for us, and it is about setting up playlists to help people with dementia remember old memories using music. And it's a really great initiative, and there's lots of information on our website. If you go to the What's On section of the culturehealth.co.uk website, you'll find it all on there. And it's very, very interesting, so do have a look. There is also ebooks on Borrowbox to support that, which is the Century of Song books as well. So if you search for Century of Songs, you'll find all the books there that can you can help you use to kind of set up your own playlist as well. That's all for us for now, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do let us know by leaving some feedback using the hashtag on Twitter, hashtag FLB Podcast, or you can also drop us a little email to librarypodcast at northland.gov.uk as well. We'll be back soon with more episodes, but this is all for now for now, guys. Bye-bye.